Chapter twenty five of Love's Shadow by Ada Leverson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter twenty five Accounts. How about your play, Bruce? Aren't you going to work at it this evening? Why, no, not just at present. I'm not in the mood. You don't understand, Edith. The artist must work when the inspiration seizes him. Of course, I know all that, Bruce, but. It's six months since you had the inspiration. Ah, but it isn't that only. But the trend of public taste is so bad, it gets worse and worse. Good heavens, I can't write down to the level of the vulgar public. But can you write at all? Certainly. Certainly I can, but I need encouragement. My kind of talent, Edith, is like a sort of flower. Are you listening? A flower that needs watering and tending and that sort of thing, of appreciation appreciation that's what i need that's all i ask for besides i'm a business man and unless i have a proper contract with one of the managers a regular arrangement and agreement about my work being produced at a certain time and mind you with a cast that i select i just shan't do it at all i see have you taken any steps of course i've taken steps at least i've taken stalls at most of the theatres as you know there isn't a play going on at this moment that isn't full of faults, faults of the most blatant kind, mistakes that I myself would never have made. To begin with, for instance, take Shakespeare. Shakespeare? Yes, a play like The Merchant of Venice, for example. My dear girl, it's only the glamour of the name, believe me. It's a wretched play. Improbable, badly constructed, full of padding, good gracious. Do you suppose that if I had written that play and sent it to Tree, that he would have put it up? I can't suppose it, Bruce. It isn't sense, Edith. It isn't true to life. Why, who ever heard of a case being conducted at any court of law, as that is? Do you suppose all kinds of people are allowed to stand up and talk just when they like, and say just what they choose, in blank verse, too? Do you think now, if someone brought an action against me and you wanted me to win it, that you and Bennett could calmly walk off to the law courts, disguised as a barrister and his clerk, and that you could get me off? Do you suppose even that you would be let in? People don't walk in calmly saying they're barristers and do exactly what they please, and talk any nonsense that comes into their head. I know that, but this is poetry, and years and years ago, in Elizabeth's time— Oh, good gracious, Edith, that's no excuse. It isn't sense. Then take a play like The Merry Widow. What about that? Do you suppose that if I liked I couldn't do something better than that? Look here, Edith, tell me, what's the point? Why are you so anxious that I should write this play? He looked at her narrowly, in his suspicious way. First of all, because I think it would amuse you. Ha! <laughs> amuse me indeed. And then far more because, Bruce, do you remember assuring me that you were going to make five thousand pounds a year, at least? "'Well, so I shall, so I shall. You must give a fellow time. Rome wasn't built in a day.' "'I know it wasn't, and if it had been it would be no help to me. Will you look at the bills?' "'Oh, confound it!' "'Bruce, dear, if you're not going to work at your play tonight, won't you just glance at the accounts?' "'You know perfectly well, Edith, if there's one thing I hate more than another, it's glancing at accounts. Besides, what good is it? What earthly use is it?' "'Of course it would be use if you would kindly explain how I'm going to pay them.' "'Why, of course we'll pay them. Gradually.' "'But they're getting bigger, gradually. 
Dear me, Edith, didn't we a year or two ago make a budget? Didn't we write down exactly how much every single item of our expenditure would be? Yes, I know we did, but, well, good heavens, what more do you want? Lots more. You made frightful mistakes in the budget, Bruce. At any rate, it was extraordinarily underestimated. Why, I remember I left a margin for unexpected calls. I know you left a margin, but you left out coals and clothes altogether. Oh, did I? And the margin went in a week, the first week of your holiday. You never counted holidays in the budget. Oh, I... well, I suppose it escaped my recollection. Never mind that. It can't be helped now. You see, Bruce, we simply haven't enough for our expenses. Oh, then what's the use of looking at the accounts? Why, to see where we are, what we've done, and so on. What do you usually do when you receive a bill? I put it in the fire. I don't believe in keeping heaps of useless papers. It's so disorderly, and so I destroy them. Well, that's all very well, but you know... You really oughtn't to be in debt. It worries me. All I want you to do, she continued, is just to go through the things with me, to see how much we owe, and how much we can pay, and how we can manage, and just be a little careful for the next few months. Oh, well, if that's all you want, well, perhaps you're right and we'll do it, some time or other, but not tonight. Why not? You have nothing to do. Perhaps not, but I can't be rushed. "'Of course I know it's rather hard for you, old girl, being married to a poor man. "'But you know you would do it, and you mustn't reproach me with it now.' "'She laughed. "'We're not a bit too hard up to have a very pleasant time, if only you weren't so—' "'Then she stopped. "'Go on, say it,' he exclaimed. "'You want to make out that I'm extravagant, that's it. "'I have large ideas, I own it. "'It's difficult for me to be petty about trifles.' "'But, Bruce, I wasn't complaining at all of your large ideas.' "'You hardly ever give me a farthing, and expect me to do marvels on next to nothing. "'Of course, I know you're not petty about some things.' "'She stopped again. "'All right, then, I'll give up smoking and golfing, "'and all the little things that make life tolerable to a hard-working man.' "'Not at all, dear, of course not. "'There's really only one luxury, if you wouldn't think me unkind, "'that I think perhaps you might try to have less of.' "'What's that?' "'Well, dear,' "'Couldn't you manage not to be ill quite so often? "'You see, almost whenever you're bored, you have a consultation. "'The doctors always say you're quite all right, "'but it does rather, well, run up, "'and you can't get much fun out of it. "'Now don't be angry with me.' "'But good God, Edith, "'if I didn't take it in time, "'you might be left a young widow, "'alone in the world with Archie, "'penny-wise and pound-foolish "'to neglect the health of the breadwinner.' Do you reproach me because the doctor said I wasn't dangerously ill at the time? Of course not. I'm only too thankful. I'm sure you are, really, dear. Now, yesterday I felt very odd, very peculiar indeed. Oh, what was it? An indescribable sensation. At first it was a kind of heaviness in my feet, and a, a light sensation in my head, and a curious kind of emptiness. Nervous exhaustion, I suppose. It was just before lunch, no doubt. I dare say it went off. When I have a little headache or don't feel quite up to the mark, I don't send for the doctor. I take no notice of it, and it goes away. But you, my dear, you're strong as a horse. That reminds me. Will you fetch me my tonic? When she came back, he said, Look here, Edith, I'll tell you what you shall do, if you like. 
"'You're awfully good, dear, really, to worry about the bills and things, though it's a great nuisance. "'But I should suggest that you just run through them with my mother. "'You know how good-natured she is. "'She'll be flattered at your consulting her, "'and she'll be able to advise you if you have gone too far and got into a little debt. "'She knows perfectly well it's not the sort of thing I can stand. "'And, of course, if she were to offer a little help, well, she's my mother. "'I wouldn't hurt her feelings by refusing for anything in the world. "'And the mater's awfully fond of you.' "'Bruce, I'd much rather—oh, stop, Edith. "'I'm sorry to have to say it, but you're becoming shockingly fussy. "'I never thought you would have grown into a fidgety, worrying person. "'How bright you used to seem in the old days! "'And, of course, the whole thing about the accounts and so on "'must have arisen through your want of management. "'But I won't reproach you, for I believe you mean well. "'I've got one of my headaches coming on. "'I hope to goodness I'm not going to have an attack.' "'He looked in the glass.' "'I'm rather an odd colour, don't you think so?' "'No, I don't think so. It's the pink-shaded light.' He sighed. "'Ah, suppose you had married a chap like Reeve, rolling in gold. Are he and Hyacinth happy, do you think?' "'I think they seem very happy. We're lunching there on Sunday, aren't we? Don't forget to order me a buttonhole the day before, Edith.' "'I'll remember.' She looked at her engagement-book. "'It's not next Sunday, Bruce. Next Sunday we're lunching with your people. You'll be sure to come, won't you?' "'Oh, ah, uh, yes, if I'm well enough.' End of chapter 25